Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy. Whether you're a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional, a show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Moni across the pond in Philadelphia, USA. Welcome to episode 20 of Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed. My name's Chris Lawson in London, UK, and I'm joined by a fellow Brit based in Philadelphia, Samuel Moni. Say, say hello, Sam. Hey, Chris. How are you, sir? How's your week been? Yeah, it's been great. Great. Lots going on, um, but all good stuff. Excellent. Excellent. So what are we going to do this week, Chris? Well, Sam, I'm going to tell you a story, and it's going to be a story about to... storytelling, funnily enough. Do you want me to lay back down and you know close my eyes and fall asleep? I would, going but um, you will be needed in about two minutes. But for now, okay. you can definitely do that. Um, so you know, let's face it, an integral part of marketing is storytelling. We, we go on about it a lot, especially in some of the social media stuff on, on LinkedIn. And how we create that narrative is is really a fascinating thing because it can be a means of entertainment education installing values or inspiration Uh, so we're going to be looking at that in terms of who does it well and what are the tricks of a trade but it's also without doubt one of the most powerful things in our in our lives you know forget the marketing aspect and something we learn at an early age we're brought up with childhood stories of magic, adventure, and morals. Um, we're inspired, hopefully, at school uh, with tales of history. And then we're exposed mm-hmm. to stories in the form of music, art, literature, which makes us dream and passionate and, and follow you know, one of those mediums, really. But that's not new, is it? I mean, you know, the earliest yeah. story we know about was on a cave wall uh, in France, actually. I think it's called the Chauvet. Um, cave in France 36,000 years ago and that was telling a story wow. about volcanic eruption then of course mm-hmm. you've got classic visual storytelling about 3,000 year, years ago with hieroglyphics in in Egypt and you bring that right forward to 1066 you've got the Bayer tapestry telling the story of the Battle of Hastings and, and that's just visual storytelling you've got the oldest book a mm. fictional story um, they, one may believe that the oldest one is called the Epic of Gilgamesh, a mythical poem that appeared as early as 700 BC. Uh, so what's really interesting to me about all of this is in, in history is how these stories have been used and how there are parallels with marketing. Uh, you know, we use different mediums to tell a story, um, new channels get reinvented. You think about that example of the, the cave to the hieroglyphics to the tapestry, bring that up to date now, film, mm-hmm. um, YouTube, etc. And the fact that great stories are mm-hmm. important in all cultures and, and tend to pass through those language bar- boundaries. Uh, and, and the thing that strikes me, Sam, is that at the heart of it, it doesn't really matter um, in terms of what um, the story is. The principles are the same. It's the need to be able to capture your audience, you know, captivate their attention, ensure that they're left inspired mm-hmm. to do something, even if it's just to think about it, and ensure that a message can be passed on um, and adapted. And, and of course, you know, in marketing, we look at how we adapt things to um, different media channels, Instagram, live events, uh, and we look at some of the things that um, will be 
going through this episode, if we think about TEDx, one of the greatest storytelling successes mm -hmm. of the century, I think. Um, and another I'm a particular fan of is a moth. But, but what makes us listen to the stories in the first place, Sam? Well, Chris, I was listening intently there. And I think great stories do start with the ability <laughs> to truly listen or immerse or watch and view. The practice of empathy is really, really important. Really hearing what the other person actually has to say and not thinking about what you're going to say next and really listening, but actually hearing them, Chris, and, and listening. And, and I think it, um, you've got to then be able to respond in the appropriate way. And stories are really the most powerful form of communication that we have. And they help us make sense of information. They are how we share experiences, how we engage in our emotions. They help our memories. They, they really are memorable. They help us share our values and reveal our unconscious thoughts. They draw others into the experiences that we're in. And, you know, so, some small way we kind of relive them. I was fighting battles in some of the stories you were sharing there, those, those tapestries and those history. Stories always include an emotional component. And the research has shown that stories elicit emotions in others. We find ourselves sort of sharing the feelings. So it's not just about the data or, or the facts. If you go back to history classes at school, the facts are oh, difficult for us to retain. But for the stories from history, they're much more memorable because we don't remember the dates or the number of people in the 1966 soccer or football World Cup. But we do remember the story of England winning at least one World Cup, Chris. Those emotions, Jeff Hurst, the celebration. <laughs> we remember uh, that. Even right. though it was before I was born, I can visualize, I can remember that, Chris. And, you know, we tell and listen to stories. But when we do that, we're often revealing to others what we really think. And if we listen really, really carefully, we can hear, in a marketing sense, what the consumer really thinks as well. Yeah, absolutely, Sam. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that emotional element, bringing that in, absolutely. And and when I think about storytelling, I, I think about music as well. I'm a massive music fan. I spend uh, all of my sort of mm. leisure time, if I possibly can, sort of listening to music. But this equally applies to art, poetry or literature as well. You know, Stephen King said that he spends months, even years, thinking mm. about the first line of a novel right. as he realises how important it is to capture the imagination and make you want to read on. And, and I think that the first sentence really only has one purpose, mm. and that's to make sure that you read the second sentence. Mm. And, and I think how often do we rush that first line of a press release or even the headline on a digital campaign? Mm. Uh, I think it's, a, it's an important lesson there that mm. actually that first interaction we need to think deeply about. But anyway, back, back to music. I love my music. Mm -hmm. And if I think about singer-songwriters, I think about the power of Eminem or Johnny Cash to tell stories. And sometimes that can be as little as two minutes or it can be um, longer. But really, there, there's, a, there's a complete skill, an art form in terms of telling stories well. And, and what's the knack? I mean, you, you know, certainly keep it simple. Start, beginning and end sounds obvious, but is important. Repetition plays a part. Mm -hmm. And speaking about a subject that you know or can um, care about is is a, essential, I think, as well. Uh, within that, you know, Johnny Cash, you sort of battled addiction, arrest, divorce. And, and at the end, that sort of loss of his you know, love of his life as well. Mm. And, and that, that pours out into his words. And there's a huge amount of songs to choose from. But, but the one that illustrated for me is that it's definitely worth listening to Folsom Prison Blues, um, which, of course, he went on famously to, to perform live in a, in a jail. Um, 
But there's so much empathy, emotion and humour in those lyrics that it just comes flooding through. And clearly mm. a lot of personal experience is brought out into that. But but one thing I do think we forget is is the role of humour. Um, and, and I'm often asked from a B2B content strategy perspective is it's all very well making a fashion brand or a lifestyle brand sexy but how do you how do you sell ball bearings and you know <laughs> it, it is clearly more difficult because it means that some people will not empathize with it or be that interested but but you need to look at the art form as well you have to think how you can bring it to life or or simply in a, an unusual way and, and, and there's always a way around it i think what about you, Sam? Yeah, I don't think I can build off the ball bearings um, <laughs> reference there, Chris. But I so I will I will steal the music reference that you were talking about there. And I was when I think of music, Johnny Cash. I've heard of him, not really familiar with his music, but I I just always have a song by Marvin Gaye in my mind, which from the seventies, which had a serious message and possibly before its time. Whoa, mercy me! Oh, things aren't what they used to be. No, no. Where did all the blue skies go? Poison is the wind that blows from the north and southeast. Whoa, mercy me. Oh, things ain't what they used to be, no. Oil wasted on the oceans and upon our seas, fish full of mercury. And that those lines, obviously, I wasn't going to sing Marvin yeah, Gaye. Yeah, I, I, I did been, wonder for a minute, but yeah, yeah, I wasn't going to sing. But the, I just have that that line of fish full of mercury just constantly repeating in my head in terms of the damage and the, the environmental challenges we're facing. And songwriter who could um, and a musician who could bring it to life you've got people like Kendrick Lamar who's a Pulitzer winner and so now the rap is is truly respected and revered as an art form but you know what Chris there's a lot of talk about building your own brand and the best I can think of it through storytelling is the one and only the greatest he said I am the greatest I said that even before I knew I was I figured that if I said it enough I would convince the world that I was really the greatest. Muhammad Ali was a smart, provocative, charming, and quick-witted. And in marketing terms, he made the best claims ever, I think, anyway. So the confidence and the swagger was all about positioning, repositioning, and mispositioning, and confronting his competitors to gain that competitive advantage. He said, Liston will fall in eight to prove that I'm great. He said that when he was fighting the heavyweight champion, Sonny Liston. Uh, guess what happened in the fight? Liston didn't come out for the round seven. He retired and um, basically couldn't come back. Another simple technique that Muhammad Ali used was the power of repetition. Yes, the catchphrases we all know, all remember, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. You can't hit what your eyes don't see. We, everyone knows that float like a uh, butterfly line, that sting like a bee. In advertising terms, Ali was a creative master. He would communicate with simple, catchy and quotable poetic phrases and then deliver. He had that musical cadence. So hmm. he'd say things like, he'll be mine in round nine. If he makes me sore, I'll cut it to four. If that don't do, I'll get him in two. If he run, we'll get him in one. I mean, Ali was was magnificent. He was just so awesome. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? I mean, you know, forget his his uh, boxing prowess or his uh, his beliefs, but. 
But actually, from a copywriting perspective, you, you, can, you can't really top that, no, can you? I think. He bought himself the greatest, so that's, that's quits, isn't it? That's fair. Yeah. So, I mean, how do these greats relate to marketing, though? I mean, Sam, in the last week's episode, you talked about the Oxo family, whose stories were told over a decade. But there's impatience now. We, we don't afford ourselves the luxury of time. Um, and, and I think you, know, you just have to understand that that is the facts of, of today, um, that we are um, looking for things in a much shorter time scale to, to get that impact. But it is that's why it's good to be prepared. I encourage people I mentor or brands to have their brand story or their personal story available in a 30-second, a three-minute or a 3,000-word format. So you're prepared for any circumstances, but you, you are prepared to, to work out how you get that across in those different formats. And, and I also think that it's good to be prepared about the, the stories uh, as well. You know, who am I? What do I believe in? What's my reason to be? What do I want you to do? And again, that equally applies from an individual perspective or a brand perspective as well. You can see that with um, Ali's uh, sound bites mm -hmm. there or his longer form content. And, and I know there's a friend of yours, Sam, Paul Smith, who yeah, talks a lot about this, Yeah, he's got a new book this, out he? right now. It's called 10 Stories That Great Leaders Tell. It's a really helpful way to categorize the stories. And I won't go through all 10. I'll name a few of them. One of them is where he where we came from story, which is like the, the founder's story. And then another one was the why we mm -hmm. can't stay here, which would be the case for change story that you you and we often as brand and as marketers need. Uh, and there's a few others. And then it's, there's another one, why I lead the way I do, which of course is a leadership philosophy story. So we'll definitely have to get him on as a guest in a future show. Yeah, I think that'd be good. I really like that one about yeah. um, a case for change. Um, because, you know, I think I'm guilty of this, actually. Quite often we we think about the past or our, our foundations rather than what we're going to do for future, our ambitions to change. So, so yeah, that, that sounds really good. Yeah. I look forward to that. So I brought up Muhammad Ali for another reason. Remember a few years ago there was this Adidas campaign, Impossible? Yeah, that's impossible is nothing. Good. And that came from a great quote from Muhammad Ali. Impossible is just a word thrown around by small men who find it easier to live in the world they've been given than to explore the power they have to change it. Impossible is not a fact. It's an opinion. Impossible is potential. Impossible is temporary. Impossible is nothing. Now, that was brand synergy imperfection. You've got the athlete and he's, what he stood for in terms of achievement, breaking boundaries and excellence and challenging perceptions and being the greatest, but incorporating his very own words to turn it into an anthemic and deeply personal brand message that so fitted the Adidas brand. That, for me, was genius. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. A fantastic example. But sometimes it's as much about using the medium as it is about the message. Two examples of that, TED Talks and The Moth. Um, both are platforms for telling stories in, in slightly different ways. TED, I'm sure you've heard of Sam, but um, and The Moth, I believe you do as well, don't you? Yeah, both are very, very big over here and great storytelling platforms. What I love about them, it's not just about business stories. There's all kinds of stories there. Yeah, and you know the, the TED the TED guidelines are strict. I mean, according to um, TED Talks curator Chris Anderson, eighteen minutes was decided as the um, the mm. format because it was short enough to hold people's attention mm. 
including on the internet and precise enough to be taken seriously, but it's also long enough to say something that matters. Again, a, a real punchy soundbite right. there, a story in itself. And the format, I believe, is a key part of how inspirational they've become. And let's face it, they've been going since 1984, where when it was a conference, technology, entertainment and design, um, that's where the TED comes from. And and even as far back, I was looking for up-to-date stats, which I couldn't find, but 2015, there was 1.2 billion times a year that a TED Talk was listened to. But I actually like the moth because I think it takes it in a very different um, way. It's it's all about storytelling, established in 1997 by a novelist, George Dawes Green, um, and he wanted to create uh, the summer evenings in Georgia, um, those hot summer nights where moths were attracted to the light of a porch, where he and his friends spun um, uh, stories, spellbinding stories. And and he, and he ran events in his living room and they grew. And there's over 10,000 stories told now, all live, all without notes. As you say, Sam, all walks of life. Um, any story is relevant. And coming off the back of that is a podcast, a radio show, now education programs. But I wanna, what I love about it is the spontaneity. And again, from a marketing perspective, I think that spontaneity is something that we can learn from. Honestly, the, the book is a fantastic read. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a great place to understand what makes a compelling story. Um, that quizzical nature, that things that you'll start to listen to and you're taken into a different place where you're considering a perspective that you never had before. Yeah. We, if we manage to bring that into our marketing in some shape or form, uh, we go a long way. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I'm a huge fan of TED and there's a bunch of TED Talks that I, I love. My ambition is to get as good as at this as Brian Stevenson. He's the founder and executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative, fighting poverty and challenging racial discrimination in the criminal justice system. And his TED talk called We Need to Talk About an Injustice is truly mesmerizing and just remains my favorite ever. And what I love about it is that he's not hiding in slides and PowerPoint. <laughs> there are no visuals. And you've, he's got you on every single letter of the, of, the, of the words he's speaking and there's no visuals, there's no PowerPoint. And it's just a, an awesome way to do it. I think from a marketing perspective, the greatest way to get good at this is to practice not telling stories, but actually hearing them. And you can do this yourself through consumer research. I mentioned in episode four on the imperative to have empathy when you're doing your consumer research. On walking into a consumer's home, I was armed with my discussion guide and talking points galore and the product I wanted to talk about. And the first thing the woman said to me when I entered her home was that she was a best breast cancer survivor. And how do you respond to that? Clearly, I couldn't respond with an insensitive question about my product. I had to pause acknowledged the really very personal information she'd shared and as a human being ask you know what's that what's that had on a on a life what's impact has had that has had that had on her family and what it meant to her decisions and her life and eventually you know, a number of minutes later maybe 20 25 minutes later we, we got onto the subject of the food that i was researching but that was a 20 minute journey because we truly had to hear the stories and hear how that played out in her life you know what chris it comes back to one of the my tried and tested techniques. It's about the power of asking great questions. So to try and get to stories, you should ask questions like, tell me about, tell me the story about, tell me about the first time, tell me about the worst experience, tell me about the best experience. 
Tell me about the last time you, whatever that thing is. You know what? Try this next time. Don't ask someone, what do you, what do, you do? You know, we have these meetings and we bump into people at conferences or events or whatever. What do you do? Ask them, what are you most excited about right now? And if they start to talk about work, prompt them, hey, this doesn't have to be about work and see where that goes. And you'll be amazed that eight minutes later, they're just talking about something they're really passionate and excited about. You know what, Chris? There's about 36 questions. There's a list of 36 questions that apparently if you ask, you're guaranteed to get the other person to fall in love with you. <laughs> Is that a fact? So I'll, I'll leave. <laughs> yes. And I'll leave that for the audience to Google. You'll find it. But seriously, here's something we can all practice. Next meeting, next phone call, introduction, dinner guest, or plane seat buddy. Just ask them, what would constitute a perfect day for you? And listen and respond to what they say. You'll be amazed at the way it opens people up to tell a story that is just personal. And I think just makes the world a better place when we can do that for other people. Oh, well, that's, that's a lovely thought there, Sam. But I, I've got to say, you know, putting my slightly cynical hat on that, I think that uh, 36 questions that guarantee that, that sounds a tiny bit like clickbait, clickbait title to me, Sam. And, and we've talked, funnily enough, okay. we talked about that a lot at the start when we were thinking about the podcast, how we wanted to avoid those killer headlines where you can't possibly match up a proposition. Again, another theme that we come back to, authenticity, and, and again, something important when we're thinking about storytelling as well. But a lot of media has been built up on storytelling being done in the shadows and then a front person taking the glory or managing the PR. You know, script writers are uh, a sort of an open secret when we're looking at sort of politics. Ghost writing is still a considerable challenge in the publishing industry with editors writing the vast majority of some sort of genres books, like celebrities, for instance. And the same applies to business as well. Um, there, are, there are many business uh, leaders that I know where actually if you look behind the scenes, they've mm. been staffed by tens of content writers and video execs. And, and I think it paints a slightly different perception to, to what the audience is taking out of it, where they think that they're sort of sat around um, doing, doing all of the social media elements themselves. Uh, yeah, I think we're, we're coming on this mm. another time, but, but it's in, interesting whether right. that is understandable because it's about getting their message out there as widely as they can and there's only one of them, mm. or is there a certain element that's slightly unethical there as well? So bringing it back to storytelling for marketing, let's get back into the research mode. Let's just say you're making jelly and you're looking for ideas and inspiration and on how consumers use it. And well, let me first clarify that I'm referring to American jelly. So for the UK folks, and I think Australian, that's jam. So what they call jelly here is called jam. Yeah. To be honest, Sam, if, if we had more time, I'd like to understand the story of that because that just makes no sense to me. But, but let's not go there. Yeah, no, I, I can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just... I'm, yeah, I had to, that one was where I didn't ask. I just had to accept it. Although actually, no, I didn't. So tell. So the, so basically, you're getting back to tell me a time when you're hungry. So your job is to truly listen and guide the person you're speaking with through a journey. So as you do that, listen out for how does the story begin? What happened before? What's the background? What happened afterwards? Who are the characters? Why are they in it? What are their motivations? What emotions were there? And actually, what emotions weren't there? Ask why. What is the setting? 
And are their desire changes to the story? Yeah, How does I mean, the story that, that's end? A, that's a great framework. And, and that's my point, really, that stories need a beginning and middle and an end, and so do marketing campaigns as well. Now, that, that might happen over a number of different formats. Uh, but the one that springs, springs to mind, the brand that tells a story well um, that I really like is uh, is Jack Daniels. There's a, there's a long-running tube advert here, Sam, um, which is called Postcards from Lynchburg. Um, and it resembles an original campaign ran in the 1950s by Jack Daniels. And, and they, they use that same postcard format. And they tell the story of Mr. Jack. Um, and you really get a sense that this was a homegrown affair where every decision was taken seriously and time was pondered on every single sort of thing to do with building this amazing drink and you get a real sense of Tennessee as well and 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 the great thing is you can just about read the whole of this long form text in the time before the train comes and and I'm not really a drinker of Jack Daniels but even mm. at 11 a.m in the morning I'm there thinking I wish I was transported to that distillery uh, it, it feels like an amazing place and I was reading this excellent article in in Vice um looking at this and they um, talked about a copywriter Laura Farris who worked on those adverts between 2015 mm -hmm. and 17 and her boss told her to imagine an old southern lawyer like Atticus Finch went from To Kill a Mockingbird when she was writing and, and there's a Wizard of Oz Emerald City feeling of, uh, to the way Lynchburg is portrayed she said and that's the secret of storytelling, bringing it to life with something magical, mysterious and slightly out of reach, but mm. having a persona firmly in mind that you're aiming for. Michelin tyres are a great example of where money is no object when it comes to the safety of your family. It shows a baby sat next to a tyre with the headline Michelin because so much is riding on your tyres. It's powerful because it focuses on the conflict that it's about safety and then the baby represents something special that needs to be protected. And you're, you're, you're kind of fighting that conflict because it forces you to reconsider that these are just a disposable thing you, you put on your car. And actually, you should spend a bit more on that tire. And it influences you to see the brand as more valuable yeah, no, it, and it works more premium, well, but also Again, worth paying Pulling on those emotional heartstrings, but, but telling a story with a sort of a context behind it. And, and also using sort of an analogy. And I think that's something that we need to come back to, Sam. We're sort of running out now, but... But uh, I think we're going to do a part two on this uh, uh, next week. And, and the reason being is that I think mm -hmm. where we need to take this to is looking at that construct of the brands and the stories that they tell and provide a few more examples of how that's brought to life. I also want to look at it from uh, entrepreneurs and digital mm -hmm. startup perspective and that, that elevator pitch or twit pitch as, as it sort of moves on to these days. How do you convey that story? through mm -hmm. in 30 seconds because we're all there mm -hmm. we all have to pitch to our bosses a new campaign or a new concept so worth us doing a part two on this sam but, right. but for now why don't you sum up where we've got to the three key takeouts and reflections well i think the first one chris is listen out for stories and prompt them uh, when you do hear them listen out for the stories and prompt them the second thing is you should be crafting your own something you said, 30-second, three-minute, and 3,000-word story, and having that personal story to be able to share. And then thirdly, listen with empathy. Listen 
not to respond, but listen really to hear the other person, share what they share and guide them through. You can ask things like, tell me more, tell me a story about, tell me about the best experience or the worst experience. Tell me about the last time, but prompt that story and truly be there for that other person and really hear them. Yeah, good. I like that. And as I say, we're beginning to part two um, next week. Um, and it's going to be a special one, Sam. We're going to be face to face for the first time ever as well, aren't we? I can't wait, Chris. It's going to be a bit weird seeing you and being next to you. So maybe, we'll have to figure we'll that out. Maybe we'll do it in two rooms next to each other or something like that. Yeah, exactly. We'll have yeah. to be in separate rooms. But uh, anyway, lo- lots of um, good more good storytelling for us to, to work through. So um, um going to look forward to that sam absolutely chris can't wait to see you in person so until next week chris have a great week across the pond well that's it for this week's show we hope you enjoyed it find more by visiting marketingtransform.com and click on the subscribe link if you listen via apple spotify soundcloud or anything else then click on follow subscribe or type marketing transformed into search we're a new show so please leave us a review comment or ask a question we'd love to hear from you Get in touch at marketingtransformedshow at gmail.com.